Welcome to the latest edition of The Retro Room. This could be our best show yet. I'm very excited. I'm fresh from the Chiller Theater event that occurred last weekend here in New Jersey. For those who don't know, Chiller Theater is basically a nostalgic look at old TV, movies, music. It started out as a horror film fan fest, which still continues. But my interest goes to the TV and radio and music vintage folks, actors, directors, stuntmen in some cases that have really added to the show in recent years. And this year was no different. I was there with digital recorder in hand. And the reason you heard those theme songs from The Love Boat, Sopranos, and The Waltons is we have stars of all those shows who uh, were kind enough to talk to us between autographs, starting with three from The Love Boat, Gavin McLeod, Captain Steubing, and the woman who played his daughter, Vicky, that'd be Jill Whalen, and Isaac, the bartender, played by Ted Lang. But those were only the beginning because we also talked to Richard Thomas, who was John Boy on The Waltons, and others from The Sopranos, stuntmen from Halloween, and of course, the boy who played Alex Kittner, the little boy who was killed, the first Jaws, and it turns out he was just a Martha's Vineyard local boy who tried out, got his role, and still collects residuals today. So we're going to talk to all of them, recorded live at Chiller in northern New Jersey. Let's start out with folks from the Love Boat, and that means Captain Steubing. How did you get the role? Did they want you? Because they knew yeah. you? That was it. You we had just audition? finished the Mary Tyler right. Moore show for seven years. Right. I was about to go out in another play, and I got a call from Aaron Spelling's about office. To go out where? I do plays all over the country. I, in Cape Cod, that, that playhouse, I'm there almost, it used to be every summer. And so, uh, and I go all over the country. I was all set to go out with my wife, and uh, I got a call. I was offered two other scripts after the Mary Tyler Moore show. I didn't like either one of them. For a TV show? Yeah, pilots. Neither one of them saw the light of day, and that was a good choice of mine. But the Love Boat, my agent calls. He said, Aaron Spelling wants you to do this pilot called The Love Boat. I said, it sounds like it was so, like a Doug McClure movie or something. I said, okay, have you got the script? I said, he says, yes, I have you read it. He says, yeah. I said, what do you think? And he says, I think it sucks. Do you want to read it? I said, sure, I want to read it. He said, I'll send it to you. He sent it to me. We took it down to Palm Springs where we had a house. My wife read it first. She said, Gavin, the first 10 pages. She says, this is very very interesting. She said, I think this could go. I don't think there's ever been a show like this. And you would be the captain. Finally, the captain. And uh, so I looked at it. And there was one story in there. I said, it smacks a little of Love American style. Yes. But there was a poignant story that touched my heart and I started weeping. Phil Silvers played the part when they finally did it. He's an old Jewish guy that comes on the ship. His He's about to die. His cemetery is full. He wants to die on the ship and be thrown overboard. So he comes on, and this is the story. He comes on, and he meets a woman, and they pick up together, and things are beautiful. And the other two stories are going on. And at the end, before they get, before they get to port, where, it's, where they're going to redock, she goes to his cabin, and she finally opens the door, and he's dead. Well, the fact that they couldn't culminate this old age relationship of love really touched my heart. And so when I met with Aaron Spelling, he said there are definitely going to be three kinds of stories. A sophisticated comedy, a subtle comedy, and that poignant Tug Harding story. I said, as long as you have that Tug Harding story, I'm in. Because that got me, and I'm on a regular kind of viewer, it's going to get a lot of other people. And that's what we did. And that was the beginning of it. Let me ask one thing. What is the biggest thing that people should know about the Love Boat that maybe they don't? That it was a blast. It was a sensational thing doing. You know, the, what was so nice about it is we were predicted to sink like the Titanic in two weeks. And here we are. 
after all these years later, now in 93 countries, we went off in 90 countries, we just got a star on Hollywood Boulevard. I had to make a speech. And I said, first of all, I want to thank, there were hundreds of people there. I said, I want to, and hundreds of cameras. I said, I want to thank you all. Because of you all, we're here today. But because of you all, we're a hit. And the cruise industry is growing as I speak. And thank you, Gavin McLeod, who played Captain Stubby. After Mr. McLeod, we talked to Jill Whalen, who played his daughter Vicky, who was also sitting right next to him at Chiller. And here's that interview. Got on about How old were you? Eleven. And how'd you get on? Had you done other stuff? I did another show for Aaron Spelling before called Friends, and um, before the other before, Friends. Before, yeah, way before. And I guest starred on Love Boat. And when Friends did you not as as Vicky. Uh huh. And when Friends wasn't picked up, Aaron brought me back in to do Love Boat. So that's kind of how it all. And happened. how long were you on? I was on from the end of the second season till the end. Which was how many seasons? Uh, well, the show was ten seasons. Oh I know. So I was on for nine of them, which was really awesome. And how'd you go to school while you were there? I had, a, on I had a, tutor, a tutor on the set, so I would do three hours a day, and on the days when I was not on the set, I would just go to my regular school. And what would, what would, what were your biggest memories? Who was nice to you? Who was not nice? Everybody, I was very lucky. Everybody was really pretty sweet. I was very, I mean, I was really lucky. You, yeah, for the most part, yeah. I mean, they had some young guests, but working with Gavin and working with Ted and Bernie, and with their cast was amazing. They're yeah. just really fine human beings as well as actors. Gavin is like my dad. Really? And Ted is like my brother. I just shot a pilot that I wrote and acted in, and Ted directed it. What's that going to be called? It's called Take It From the Top, and we are just finishing up the last bits of editing. We just finished the, finished the opening credits, so we'll see where it ends up. I don't know if it's going to be a webisode or whether it'll be a network show or like a but Netflix. Still, you're still finding a home for it. Yeah, we, well, we're just, we haven't even gotten that far yet. We're just, we just finished editing. Did you get on airplane? Uh, I auditioned. I just did auditioned. Did others, or did they kind of know who you were? Uh, no, I, like anybody else. Was that before Love Boat? It was, I would say, months before that we shot that. So you, you shot Airplane, and then you end up on Love Boat, yep. and then Airplane came out? Yes. So you were kind of doing it all at once? Yeah, it was a, an amazing trajectory. How many days were you working on Airplane? I think I worked on it for about a week. And how was that? Did they know it was going to be the screwball crazy great hit? Well, I don't know what they knew, but I knew that it was either going to be a huge hit or a horrible fail. You know, there was no in between. You know, they committed to that movie completely. So there was it was either going to be really great or really horrible. What should people know about backstage and airplane? No, everybody was great. It was just a really fun set. But again, it was hard because I was a kid. You know, so I wasn't there like everybody else was, but I was very friendly with Lorna Patterson. She was amazing. And Joyce Bullifant, Bullifant played my mom in Airplane and Gavin's Gavin wife right. on Mary Tyler Moore. So that was pretty cool. And, and again, the show that you, you're editing now? That it's called before. Take It From The Top. Thanks a lot, Jill. That was, of course, Jill Whalen who played Vicky on The Love Boat. She was right there at Chiller with the rest of the Love Boat crowd. Next to her was Ted Lang who played Isaac the Bartender. He talked to us about how he got his role. It was the best time I ever had. Why is that? And I'm reliving that moment every time I come to an autograph show. And I get to see that beautiful girl as a woman. I get to see that guy that played Doc over there. Still alive, I'm shocked. And I get to play with the guy that was the captain 
good buddy. Yeah. So I get to be around my friends when I come here, How and it's delightful. Did you, uh, you just auditioned? Or? No, I never auditioned. How did they find you? I did another series called Mr. T and Tina. Sure. And they plucked me from that and put me on the love boat. They auditioned Bernie. They auditioned Fred, who played Gopher. I, I used to tease them. They never auditioned me because I was good. They knew you They knew you were the man. They knew I could deliver the goods. Do you think Isaac got enough shows about him or stories about him or that didn't matter? Not in the first two years. Yeah. Did you work? To but later or? on, later on we did. And what, was it, what would you say about working on the show that people might not know? Maybe anything that made it fun or that's unknown about the work you guys did? I would say that... Something you probably didn't know is that the drinks weren't real. <laughs> I, think, I think if they were real, we'd have other problems, right? Yeah. Well, we had a couple of those problems because people bought their own drinks. Yeah. But we uh, kept on, keeping on. And the best guest that you ever had on, it was a Oh, for 10 years. How can you say anyone is the yeah. best? One of the best. I mean, Juliet Mills is over there. Loretta Swit is over there. Best guest. was on. Yeah, so what can we say? That made it more fun to have kind of different people, or was it a little extra work? No, it was never. People? No, it was more fun. It was more fun because just, just to change. You got you got to meet new people yeah. that some of them you never met. Bernie, of course, knew everybody because he's old. He was old then. Twice you've said that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Lots of great memories from the Love Boat crew. Now we move on to the Sopranos. Any Sopranos fan remembers Johnny Sack. He was a great nemesis of Tony Soprano. And we talked to Vincent Curatola, who was also a chiller and gave us some great insight on how he got that role and what it was like to work with Jim Gandolfini, Tony Soprano himself. How did you get on the show? Cold audition. Really? Yeah. But you had done work before that. Yeah, I did a little bit, but that's really what started really? me. Yeah. What did you do before that? Big construction company. Really? Yeah. In Jersey? In New Jersey. Where were you based? Fairview. And did you always want to get into acting? Or no, it was kind of something I thought about when I was a kid. I buried it. Then I, st I was 39 when I started. Yeah. I got the part at 45, so. What acting did you do before that? Uh, Law and Order, Exile. That was it. What was it? How many, how many seasons were you on Sopranos? Uh, Sopranos? All seasons. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. In and out. Yeah, in and out. I was a series regular. What would you think? What, what would people not know about it? Everything's been written about that show, but what would maybe people should know about it they might not? The, the camaraderie. Really, everyone was still to tight, this day. Really tight group. To this day. Who was your closest friend? On uh, Jimmy Gandolfini. Yeah, I could see that. Right. Yeah. How we was did he? a lot of work. He, he was, was very fabulous. Quiet guy, right? He was quiet. He was very serious about his work. Very generous to the cast. How was he generous? Generous in the sense that he made sure that all negotiations went extremely well every season. Really? Or he wouldn't come to he work. He wasn't, I'm the top guy, give me the money, forget you. Never. Really? Never. Did it ever get to, how did the ending come about? Did people? I have no idea. No, I mean the fact that they were going to end the show. Yeah, oh no, we, we knew it was coming. What was your favorite part of it? Every day I worked. Thank you, Vincent. And of course, The Waltons was a great 70s show. An iconic character, John Boy, that's Richard Thomas, who chatted with us briefly at Chiller and also talked about how he got into that famous role and his other work in Hollywood. How did you get on The Waltons? They offered me The Homecoming, which was, was a Christmas movie, special. Right? Yeah. And had you done much that's acting before that? A lot, yeah. What, I, what other things? That oh, my goodness. I made, I'd made about nine movies up to that point. Started on Broadway in 1958. Sunrise of Campobello, yeah. And how old were you when you started the world? 21. And how many seasons? Because you left. I did five. I did five seasons. And they brought back a fake John Boy. They did for uh, one season. What did you think of that? 
I didn't think much about it one way or the other. I knew Bobby Weidman. He was a good actor and a great guy. And that's it. Yeah. And what, what was your biggest memory that maybe people don't realize working on the show? Behind the scenes, something that was really fun? or No, just memorable. just doing the work, actually. Yeah. That was the best part of it. Yeah. How many, and was it a lot, obviously a lot longer as an hour show? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I can't say enough about PJ Souls. You, of course, know her first from Carrie. She was one of the bad girls who lost her life at the end and only a few years later in Halloween was murdered, but then came back with Stripes and Rock and Roll High School, two great, funny movies that really defined parts of the late 70s and early 80s. She also has spoken to us several times during the Chiller visits and gave a great interview here where she talks about all different roles she's held and working with Bill Murray, of all people. Let's hear from PJ. Now, you were in three of the top movies of your time and more. But Stripes was a comedy, the two movies where you were killed. Which did you like better? I like them all. I have to say my favorite movie was Rock and Roll High School because I played the lead and it was my last teenage role. It was great music. <laughs> what did you like about that one? I was the lead in it and just I got to provide all my own uh, costumes and it just was so much fun. And I was in every scene and every day I was like, yes, I get to go to work. How so. was it to work with the Ramones? Um, well, they were very quiet, very shy until we got to their concert scene and then all hell broke loose and we were like oh my gosh because most of us the cast we had never really heard of the Ramones so it was our first time hearing them and uh, you know but once we saw them performing on stage we were like oh my goodness <laughs> absolutely and what about Halloween now that the 40th anniversary is out did you know at the time it was going to be what it was what did you think at the time and how did you get that role um, well I auditioned um, and I actually read just with John Carpenter which was unusual usual at the time usually you read with the casting person but I read with the director and after I finished my scene he said all right you got the part you want it and I said absolutely so and you he, had done Carrie obviously I had done Carrie and um, he had seen me in that and uh, so I guess from that he thought you know I would be good for Linda because in Carrie I played kind of a gum gum chewing fun loving girl so <laughs> he wanted that for Linda and what do you remember about about Carpenter as a director that was a very short shoot it was uh, 21 days, just like Rock and Roll High School. We had the same DP, Dean, oh Dean Cundy, shot both those movies. Um, what I remember most about him and Deborah Hill is that they were very collaborative, you know, director, writer, producer, and they were always kind of speaking in hushed tones with each other. And he really encouraged us to contribute any creative ideas, especially in the in the bedroom scene. He said, anything you want to say. So really, I, you added things into that? Uh, yeah. You know, they're going at it in the bed. He goes downstairs, he comes back up with a sheet over his head, and, and John said, you're trying to get uh, who you think is Bob right. to come back into bed. So I had to say everything I could think of, see anything you like. All of that was sort of made up on the spot, and I think we shot it like just twice because we were short on time, and, and John had a very good eye. In those days, you didn't have a monitor to see what you were looking at, so we just had to take a chance that it was coming out. But for me, it just sparks your imagination and creativity, and I'm just grateful that, you know, John was like, just play with it. Do whatever you want. And you, know? you were also in the new one. I played the voice of the teacher, yes. They had the movie pretty much finished, and then David Gordon Green, I think they kept getting, uh, you know, emails and Facebook posts. Hey, how come PJ's not in it? Blah, blah, blah. So he asked if I would do the voice of the teacher, and I wrote back, and I said, yes, but unless I say totally, what's the point? And he said, great, put totally in there. <laughs> and what about any, were you a fan of the 
watch sequels and the follow-up movies? Or? Um, I really had only seen uh, Halloween 2 and H2O because Jamie had invited me to that premiere. But So yeah, I mean, it wasn't something that I followed. I actually did see the first one of the Rob Zombie ones since I was in The Devil's Rejects. I wanted to see what it was like. but uh, And I haven't seen this one yet, but I'm oh. looking forward to it. And I'll, it's getting a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, good reviews. And uh, it's awesome for Jamie, you know. I think uh, for all the years that she never really wanted to talk about Halloween, now she has to. <laughs> and the last thing I would ask you is, what was it like being seduced by Bill Murray? <laughs> he can be very moody, but when the camera's rolling, and that was 3 o'clock in the morning, it was shot in Beverly Hills, it was raining outside, we were supposed to be outside looking up uh, at fireworks. We got into the kitchen. Oh, I mean when you're in the, in the in, general's uh, house? Yes, in the general's house. So we were shooting back in L.A. We shot most of the scenes in Fort Knox, Kentucky, but we moved back to L.A. for some of the scenes, that being one of them. And, and Ivan was like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. And Bill was in the kitchen. He opened the fridge, took out a carrot, and I said, what are you going to do with that? And Ivan knows Bill well enough to go, bring the camera in here. That scene was literally shot in 20 minutes at 3 a.m. All I did was follow Bill's lead, and it's the cutest. Absolutely. And the best part for me is, of course, when he's saying, come on, come on, you like me, you like me, you like me. And I'm looking at him, and then I finally say yes. I think for one second you see the real Bill Murray. He's looking at me with, like, love in his eyes because he can be very tender, but for the most part he pushes that off, you know. <laughs> so it was supposed to be shot outside. Yes, it was an outside scene, looking at fireworks. The whole intention of the scene was to get that first kiss and to get us to, you know, profess our love. Now, what about the last part when you're in? That was a, a hope chest where yeah. people keep blankets or pillows. That was a great funny shot. That was, again, completely Bill. Really? I, I thought it was ridiculous because Bill opened it and said, PJ, come here. And I went, no. And Ivan said, PJ, listen to Bill. And he gets in it and he said, lay on top of me. And then he, we get out and he goes, that was interesting. And it was so funny. So he's really a genius. Thank you so much. <laughs> now, my last two interviews from Chiller involve people with very minor roles in two of the most iconic movies of the 70s. First, Jeffrey Voorhees, whose name you wouldn't know, but he was Alex Kidner, if you recall, the little boy who was murdered by the shark on the beach in that very scary, famous scene in Jaws. Well, Jeffrey was at Chiller and talked about getting that role. He was basically just another person on Martha's Vineyard where Jaws was filmed. Got the role and he continues to get small payments from it. Let's hear that right now. How did you get that part? Oh, I had just moved to Martha's Vineyard that year. So you lived in Martha's Vineyard? I just moved there and when they that summer they they were filming a movie they said they would pay anyone that wants to be in at 40 dollars a day they needed a lot of extras so you were more than extra well we all went down signed up and then they called a few of us back that like the sheriff's kids i knew them they were friends and oh the the kids with the fake fin they called us back and said read a line and they go we'll give you a speaking part you get 140 a day and it's like oh great and but i never i never knew about the royalties so the first time I came on TV, also to get a check for like fifteen thousand, it's like, ah, oh, so it pays to die. It's like, so you got royalties? I still get it. anytime it's on TV. You got what you get? Depends what network. Like this summer, they show it a lot, and if it's on TNT and stuff, and you get like a hundred twenty or so. But my brother lives in Europe, and he'll he'll send me a message. Good news, you just died on TV over here, and you get a check, and it will say. 
five times in Germany, three times in Denmark, four in Holland, and you get to the bottom, and the check amount's like 87 cents, taxes, union dues, and then it's like for 18 cents. So it's funny, you still get checks, but it pays to die. And how much, how many days did you work on? It took about a week. It was five days. And then they needed, yeah, they played baseball and cookouts, and then the other thing is, they would, like, there was a little parade in it. I was in that with the drum and bureau. I was in that, and they weren't going to let me be in it. They're going, wait, you're not dead yet. You can be in that. So I was did some other scenes before I died, but then after that, they wouldn't let me be in it. And how old were you? Twelve. Well, went down to be in Jaws 2, signed up, and they all my friends, they go, okay, okay, they get to me, and they go, oh, well, you can't be in this. It's like, why not? You died in the first one. I go, I'm older now. I look different. And they're like, oh, well, if in the media ever found out, you ruined the movie. They were all really nice when I cook out baseball games the only ones that you know they'd be playing baseball and you run over Robert Shaw and it's like hey Robert all the other ones would be talking to you and he'd be yelling get the F away from me just like in the movie it's, but it was fun making it and we, we used to break in with the shark with Stuart and check out the, the right side the left side and you know because lived in the town and they store the shark just down the street from me, and we used to break in and check out the shark, and you know, little kids with flashlights. The actual death scene where you're bubbling up in the blood. How was that done? Was that done a couple times, or scary? Uh, uh, it, it was done quickly. I died, and it was cold water, but it was fun. Filmed it, you know, right on that beach. I, Spielberg. What would you say to people who may not know about him? He was really nice. That was one of his first movies, so, and they almost threw it away They because it was costing so much. Now, last but not least, we talked to James Winburn, who was one of four Michael Myers actors in the original Halloween. His part in that movie, as he'll talk about, was mostly as a stuntman, and he also was a stuntman in Hollywood for many years across many different movies and TV shows, and he talked about all of them during his brief chat at Chiller. You were the original Michael Myers. I was one of the original. How many were there? There was four. Four? Why did they need four? There was uh, Nick Castle, Tommy Lee Wallace, Tony Moran. All in the first movie? And my th- in the first one. Why did they need so many? Well, it was the $300,000 film, and they couldn't afford because it was a low tag budget film. So that means everything, they, uh, their money was cameras, equipment, stuff like that. And they had a very small crew. And uh, so Nick Castle graduated with Tom with John Carpenter from film school, so they were very close friends. So he came in and became the first uh, Michael Myers, but he couldn't be there every day, so Tommy Lee Wallace, yeah, Tommy Lee Wallace, would play the part because he was the uh, production uh, designer, prop guy, and editor. And so he put it on. But he didn't look like he was 19 years old or 20, so they brought in Tony Moran, who's uh, the brother or sister of the Moran lady on Happy Days. Aaron Moran. Yeah. Oh my God. And so he. They knew uh, uh, Deborah Hill. Aaron Moran's brother. Yeah. So Deborah Hill brought him in. He got a day card, which was Screen Actor Guild. And they did a couple days uh, on, so they could pull the mask off and see a young character. I see. They needed a young Michael when the yeah. mask came off. That's why they brought him in. When did you get in? They brought me in to do all the stunts and the heavy stuff in the fall. 
But I was under contract at Warner Brothers, so I had to do it one night, most of all my stuff in one night. Oh my gosh. And that's the fall and the stuff that were in the How house. Were Close to 40. So, oh, so Michael Myers was, was supposed to be what, 18? Yeah. And he was really 40. Yeah. At least you were. You know, time flies. I just thought it was another horror movie. And I was I was working, I came to, because I knew uh, Dean Cunney, the camera guy, and all the grips and all everybody, because there were a number of shows we did previously, which were low-budget, non-union fag shows. And I choreographed or was doing second unit or whatever, so I knew Deborah Hill real well. So you had been stuntman, basically, for a long time? Yeah, I, I belonged to the Stunt Association. What other show, movies were you in as a stuntman? 750. Any, what would we have heard of? Knight Rider. Tron, Masada with St. Peter O'Toole. Oh my God! Seemed like old times. I, How was it being a stuntman in those days? Were the stuntmen treated well? Yeah, in a, in a lot of ways. It was a lot different than what it is today. Why is that? Because there was more of a brotherhood. Really? Among the stuntmen? Uh, yeah. Uh, when I got out of the Air Force in 58 and 59, I went back to college. And then I decided that I really have always been in entertainment. So I started work trying to get into the studio and work. And some old timers that are well-known people that from the 40s and the 50s took their liking of me and I started working out with them. And it took me and then all those years. Then finally in about 1963, I started working really heavy and I've been working ever since. And that's it for this special edition of the Retro Room where we were at Chiller Theater, that great mix of vintage TV and movie stars and actors and all-around celebrities who gathered in New Jersey this last weekend for that great semi-annual event. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Let me know which ones you liked, who you'd like to talk to in the future, and we'll be back next time for the next edition of the Retro Room. Thanks, as always, for listening.